This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Well, how are we doing it this evening? You doing good? Well, let's get ready to, to open up tonight. Let me go ahead and open up in prayer and then we'll make our confession. Father, we just thank you uh, for this time that we have together. And Lord, we thank you that as we sit together in the presence of your word, Father, I thank you that as the word comes forth, that it will fall on good grounds, the good grounds in our hearts, Lord God, and that it will begin to produce a healing, Lord God, in every portion of our bodies. Father, we just declare that no weapon formed against our time tonight will prosper. I thank you that our minds are fixed on you, Lord God. Our attention is fixed on you. And Lord, I thank you that as we focus on you, Lord God, that that work, that healing work, Lord God, is already working on the inside of us. So Father, we thank you for what you're about to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's hold our Bibles up. We're going to make our confession tonight. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have some Bibles back in the back there. And uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? Okay. Let's hold up the Bible. We're going to hold up the Bibles. And so we're going to make our confession together. And we're going to say it like we mean it. Say, this is my Bible. All right, guys, y'all got to say it like you mean it. You say it like I'm telling you to say it, but say it like you mean it. Say, this is my Bible. It's God's word to me. It strengthens me. It refreshes me. It's medicine to me. And I love to read my Bible. Amen. Well, tonight, um, you know, I'm personally so glad you guys are here because I believe that every time the word of God comes forth, there is the potential for you to receive the word of God and it to begin producing in your life. It's all about whether or not we want to receive the Word of God, and we allow the Word of God to do what it was intended to do. And so tonight, the fact that you're here, I believe, makes you a candidate to receive your healing on this night, receive what the Word of God wants to do in, in, in your body. You know, as I was putting together my notes for today, I thought about a story that we've heard Pastor tell many times. He talk, tells a story of a man who was living in a foreign land, and he wanted to make the journey across the ocean uh, to America, And he talked about how the man worked hard and saved all the money. And, and finally one day came and he got all the money that he needed to purchase a ticket. And when he purchased a ticket, um, he, he realized that he only purchased enough ticket or in his mind. He, he said, I, I have to make sure that I have something to eat. And so he brought cheese and crackers with him uh, on the ship. And so day after day went by, he was on the ship. And each day around dinner time, he would peek into the window and he'd see all the people enjoying the luscious spread that was inside. Uh, and each day, he just went back to his little corner and ate his cheese and crackers and thought, you know, you know what it must have felt like to be able to enjoy that huge spread. And day after day, he did the same thing over and over and over. Until one day, the captain of the ship saw him eating his cheese and crackers, walked over and asked him, you know, what, what's going on? Why are you out here by yourself eating your cheese and crackers? And he began to explain to the captain how uh, he'd saved all of his money just to get a ticket on the boat to get to America, but he didn't have enough money to purchase the food. And, and I'll never forget when Pastor Allen first shared the story, and I, the first time I heard it was uh, he said, the captain looked at the man and said, uh, don't you realize that that spread, that, that, that lavish feast that's in there, it was included in the purchase of the ticket. And guys, I think sometimes we have to take a step back and realize that this whole topic of healing was included when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's included in the package. And if you will receive it, if I will receive it, healing will come about 
no matter what situation you're dealing with. I like to tell people all the time, there is no situation too dark, no situation too far gone that God cannot bring you back from. He, he can heal you of anything. He can heal you at any point in time. The, 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 the issue is not on him, it's on us. And so tonight I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about something that I, I believe the Lord has been speaking in my heart. And it's all centered around, you know, what, what do you see? Do you see yourself healed? Can you see yourself healed? Are you struggling with this? Do you, do you think, you know what, my doctor's diagnosis, my doctor's words carry more weight than my ability to believe that I can be healed? What do you see? And I think we can learn a lot from Scripture about this certain topic. And so I wanted to start out about a story many of us have heard many times before. It's found in Numbers, the 13th chapter. Um, and, and so we'll read that together. It says, Numbers 13, 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every leader among them. Now I want to stop there because this is something that was very interesting to me. A lot of times we read over that, we read it fast, we gloss over it, we want to get to the other parts of the story. But here in the first, first two sentences, it says, send out men to spy out the land of Canaan. The first thing I, I had to stop and think about, you do realize that when God told Moses to send these men into the promised land, which is what Canaan represents, God knew everything that was already in the land. Like, when they came back with their report, everything that they reported didn't catch God off guard. He knew that there were giants in the land. He knew that there was rough terrain. He knew that there was luscious fruit. He, he knew everything that was in there. I believe he wanted to see what they saw when they came, came, up, came back with the report. God knows what the land consists of. He wants to know what we see. Verse 17, we'll jump down. It says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether they are forced there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. And now the time was a season of the first ripe groups, ripe, ripe grapes. And, and, and I thought this was interesting. So, so Jesus, or God told Moses, send spies into the land. Moses comes along and says, okay, God wants you to go into the land. And then when you go into the land, see if the people that are there are strong or weak. See if the land is good or bad. All of a sudden now Moses is adding something to what God initially said. And sometimes what happens is, is we tune in and we listen to the wrong things. You know, God's not going to give you something that's bad. You understand that? No? God's not going to give us something that's bad. Moses said, see if the land is good or bad. Well, if you have a true, clear revelation of who God is, you understand God doesn't give us bad gifts. Everything he gives us is good. Moses says, see if this land is good or bad. If Moses had a clear picture of who God was, that wouldn't have come out of his mouth. The land is always good when God gives us a gift. Let's look at a scripture here. James 1.17 says this. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow 
You're going to change. And then Matthew 7, 11 says, If the, you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father uh, give good things to those who ask him? You've got to understand that everything that God gives is good. It's good. And so God's promises, his promise of healing is a good thing. And somehow these things got lost in translation. So let's continue in the story here. Verse 21 says, And so they went up, spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, and as far as Rohab, near the entrance of Hamath. And then verse 25, it says, And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. I thought this was very interesting. The first thing that, that comes out of their mouth is, is, hey, Moses, we went into the land that, where you sent us. And understand, originally, God was the one who gave the mandate for them to go into the land. Sometimes we've got to keep in mind and, and realize that the promises that are contained in Scripture, they come from God. Sometimes when we come to classes like this or churches and we hear someone talk about the subject of healing or, 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 or God's, you know, God's provision or whatever, we're hearing it and we're hearing the person who's saying it. What we've got to realize is God is the one who spoke this initially. God is the one who said, you know, I'm going to send my son so that they could be saved. I'm going to send my son so that they can be healed. I'm going to send my son so that they will not have to be penalized for the sins that they've committed. We've got to keep our eye on the big picture and realize that God's the one who's providing these things for us. Second Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord does not delay, nor is he tardy or slow about what he promises. According to some people's con conception of slowness, he is long-suffering, meaning he's patient towards you, not desiring that any should perish, but all should turn to repentance. You've got to understand God doesn't want any of us to perish. He doesn't. He wants to see all of us experience the fullness of what he has for us. He wants to see Richard walk in total healing, Cindy walk in total healing, Heather walk in total healing, Anita walk in total healing. He wants to see all of us walking in total healing. And we've got to settle that, guys, on the inside of us. And when we do that, now we're operating in a whole different, at a whole different level. How many of you believe that God's a good God? How many of you believe that God gives good gifts? Yes. How many of you believe that healing is one of those gifts? Yes. And how many of you believe that healing belongs to you? Yes. So that's, you're, you're at a good position now. God can work with that. You understand that? And so all of us, we, 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 we have to have some non-negotiables in our lives. Non-negotiables. Meaning no matter what life brings at us, God is good. He's good. No matter how long we've been dealing with it, God is good. No matter how many times we have to come up against it, God is good. That's a non-negotiable. Every time we go to the doctor and, and they say that, oh, this level's off or this is wrong or, 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 or this, you have this or whatever, we have to have a non-negotiable that says that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Healing's been provided for this situation. 
Healing's at work in my body right now. Does that make sense, guys? We've got to have non-negotiables. Because if not, we leave ourselves open for the enemy to get in to steal from us what God wants us to have. And so understand that God is good and he gives good gifts. Here's the other thing. Uh, they said that, you know, we, sent, uh, we went to the land where you sent us, Moses, and it surely flows with milk and honey. And then they said, nevertheless. That, that's where a lot of us get stuck sometimes. We'll say, I know God's a healer, but. I know I can be healed, but. I, I know what I'm learning in healing class, but. No. That but should never come out. We, we, we've got to just take a stand and say, I know that God's a healer and he's healing me right now. I know that God's a healer and healing is working on the inside of me. I know God's a healer and healing was purchased for me. It's got to be settled on the inside of each and every one of us. We're going to find out. That's what separated Joshua and Caleb from everyone else. When they went into this promised land, their focus wasn't on the giants. Their focus wasn't on... Um, their ability, their focus was on a God who could do the impossible, who'd already conquered the land. What do you see? Do you see a land that is overwhelming to you, or do you see a land that God's already conquered? What do you see? It says, nevertheless. And so what I want to do is, is you know, we talk about kind of the buts, you know, how, how we come up with, the reason behind why we can't believe or we can't stand. Let's take a, a, a page from a story in the scripture. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 4. We're going to learn from the father of faith himself. Romans chapter 4, we're going to read verses 13 through It says, for the promise to Abraham was that he should inherit the world, uh, did not come through observing the commands of the law, but through righteousness of faith. And it's through the law, it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs. Then faith is made futile and empty of all meaning, and the promise of God is made void. Verse 15, for the law results result in divine wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression of it. Therefore, verse 16 Inheriting the promises is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. So if we're going to inherit the, the, the promises of God, it depends on faith, completely on faith. In order that it might be given as an act of grace to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all its descendants, not only to the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. And he was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom we believed, in whom, whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Verse 18, for Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised, so numberless shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No, unbelief and distrust did not make him waver 
concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave, gave praise and glory to God. I'm going to stop right there. Here's a couple of things I want to point out. Point out. You know, so basically the story is this in, in a nutshell. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have a child. And, and I can kind of almost imagine his response. He's like, huh, we're going to have a child? He's probably thinking, you know, God, we're older than dirt. You know, we're like, you know, my, my body doesn't function like that. Sarah's womb is dead. There, there's no way. And so what did God do? God takes him out and God gives him a picture. Shows him all the stars. Shows him the, the, all the sand. Gives him this picture. And then at that point, what happens? Abraham has a choice to make. Does he believe in the natural, the fact that his body no longer works like it used to work, or Sarah's body doesn't work like it used to work? Or does he believe the picture that God gave him? And Abraham chooses to believe what God showed him. And we all know what happened, right? Abraham was able, Abraham and Sarah were able to conceive a child, and the promise came to pass. Well, the same thing happens to us, guys. We live in a world all the time where we hear constantly through news media, through social media, through through you know, the, the, the internet and through uh, mainstream media, that there's no cure for this, that there's no cure for that. You know, the big thing now is, oh, well, coronavirus, it's coming to the U.S. You know, be afraid, be very afraid. Guys, you've got to understand, you know what? We live in the world, but we're not of, of the world. We have a Savior that conquered death, hell, and the grave who purchased healing for all of us. And so... Our focus needs to be on the fact that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. My child is healed by the stripes of Jesus. Does that make sense? You have to be able to see it if you're going to be able to receive it. If you can't see it, then you've got to change that image that you see. It says um, that he gives life to the dead and speaks to non-existent things. Um, as if they already existed. One translation says, he calls those things that be not as though they were. We've got to learn to do that. When we find ourselves battling with sickness or disease in our body, we've got to be, be able to, to begin speaking words of faith, calling those things that be not as though they were. You know, I remember um, when, when I got diagnosed with, with Bell's palsy and, and my, my face was drooping, my eye was open, it would never close. And I remember... Uh, going to the doctor, getting the diagnosis, and him explaining that, you know, it's different in everyone. Most people have to deal with it their entire life, and, you know, your muscles may be like that for a very long time. And I remember saying, nope, that's not the case. And he goes, well, you can't really control that. Everybody's, you know, situation is different. I said, nope, that's not going to work for me. And he says, well, I don't know what you mean by that, but, you know, understand Medical science says that, you know, with Bell's palsy, it stays in your system. You know, it, it, even if it corrects itself, you could wake up one day and it go right back. And I said, nope, that's not going to work for me. And so he gave me some literature and I went home and gave me, gave me some other things. And I remember reading scriptures, everything that I'm telling you now, and I made a decision that, you know what? God's going to work on this, that, that, that this is temporary. And so I remember sitting there and I'm a little weird. And so, you know, my, my side of my face was droopy and I had no muscle control at all. And so, and this eye was wide open. And I remember saying, someone who's healed 
can smile with, without any assistance. And so I went over to the mirror, and I went, and I smiled, and only this side came up. And so I got my finger, and I pulled the other side up. And I saw myself smiling in the mirror. And I remember my wife and kids came, and they're like, what are you doing? You know, they're laughing at me. I said, I'm smiling because Jesus has healed me. And my wife, she got it. She understood what I was doing. And every day I got up there, and I did that. I said, I'm smiling because I'm healed. I'm smiling because I'm healed. That was just three days. On the fourth day, I got up, and I woke up, and I realized I could blink my eye. My eye wasn't open. It wasn't wide open all, all night long. And so I got up, and I'm blinking my eye. So immediately I thought, so I ran to the mirror, and I looked in the mirror, and I smiled. Only this time I didn't have to use my finger to smile. What happened? By faith, I started painting an image of seeing myself smiling in the mirror, trusting in the, 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 the promise of God that healing was working in me. It became a non-negotiable that, you know what, this is temporary. This can't stay. It has to go. And God's work began working in my body. Fast forward a couple of years later, and I get diagnosed with pneumonia. Get in the hospital, never been in the hospital, never had tubes and everything all over me. Was freaking me out, getting nervous, getting fearful because people were talking contrary to the word of God, talking about death and blood clots and this and that. And then for me, all it took was a doctor to show me a scan with my left lung full of fluid. And she told me, she goes, if I come back in an hour and your lung's still full of fluid, we're going to have to extract it the old-fashioned way with this big old long needle. And I remember in my head thinking, nope, the devil's a lie. That's not going to happen. Nope. I, no, you're not sticking that thing in me. And I remember in this whole process thinking, you know what? You teach healing class, man. What are you doing? You know, you got to believe this stuff. You can't be just giving in to fear. And so I got the scriptures, and I, and I began reading a scripture. And I remember in that scripture it talked about how God breathed the breath of life on the inside of us. And so I began to just declare that, Lord, I thank you that you're breathing the breath of life in me right now, that you're breathing your breath in me. And as you do, you're filling my lung up with your breath, and it, it leaves no room for that fluid, Lord. And as I was saying that, God was painting a new picture on the inside of me. And I could see my lungs functioning the way it should function. I could see the fluid leaving my lungs. One hour later, they come back, take me down for another x-ray, and that left lung is completely clear of fluid. Completely gone. Well, what happened? God honored his word. I, I no longer saw the fluid. I no, no longer focused on the pain. I was focusing on his word, the truth in his word, his promise, and God's work began to happen on the inside of me. Why? Because I was able to see it. Guys, that's faith. If you have faith, you're able to see what God says. Do you see yourself healed? Do you? Do you see your child healed? Do you? You've got to have that picture. And when you do, great things will happen. And in verse 20, I love this. He says that no unbelief or distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But in fact, he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. For a lot of us, this sounds foolish. This sounds like it makes no sense. But when you're standing for your healing, the best thing you and I can do is to begin to praise and glorify God. Why? Because it's an act of faith. You're showing the Lord 
that, you know what? I know you're bigger than this disease. I know you're bigger than this situation. I know you're bigger than this, that you can turn it around. And when you magnify God, guess what? He gets bigger, bigger, and bigger. He gets so big that you no longer can see it. See the other thing. We want to magnify God. And what happens? God's promises begin to, to work in your life. It's the same thing, you know, I, I had a bout with anxiety and depression and um, pills didn't work because I, I wasn't going to take them. Encouragement from my wife didn't work because I didn't want to take that. You know, I'd come to church and really I had put myself in a posture where I wasn't really listening. But when I started to, to begin praising the Lord and giving glory to God for his word, for his goodness, for his faithfulness, all of a sudden it began to unlock something on the inside of me. And then my praise turned into bold confessions of the word of God over my situation. And, and then I, I stumbled upon a scripture that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And now all of a sudden, that scripture about having a sound mind, soundness of mind means there's no place for anxiety. You can't have a sound mind and be anxious at the same time. And so then I began declaring, Lord, I thank you for giving me a sound mind, for soundness of mind, giving me clarity in every situation, giving me clear direction on how to, how to make you know, decisions and where to go and when to do this and when not to do that. And now what I'm doing is I'm magnifying, I'm praising God, and my faith is growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And I look up one day and the depression and anxiety is gone. Your faith will grow strong as you praise the Lord. You don't have to have music to praise the Lord. You understand that? You don't have to be able to sing as beautifully as Justin and the worship team sings. You can have your own praise. I can tell you there's many times some of you have, may have seen me on the roads sitting at a stoplight singing like a maniac. And I don't sound anything like Justin, but, you know, I don't really care. For me, it's, it's I'm, I'm going to do what I can to magnify the Lord. And I can tell you he's faithful. When, when, when you will begin to praise him, it, it, your faith will grow to a point where those things that affected you in the past won't affect you anymore. And so we can really learn from Abraham um, in this situation. So let's go back to our story here on Abraham. Uh, verse 21 says, Fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and do what he had promised, that is why his faith was accredited to him as righteousness, right standing with God. Uh, verse 23 says, But the words it was accredited to him were written not only for his sake alone, but they were also written for our sakes too. In this story, when we read this story about how Abraham stood and and, and how God moved in his life, and how God says that, you know, he was righteous. Understand, this story's not in there just for, for him. The story's in there also for us. God wants us to learn something from this story. And so if we'll apply the principles that Abraham did uh, in his life, God will do the same things in our lives, guys. We've got to trust him. So um, let's go back to our main story in Numbers. I want to read verses... Um, 30 through 33. So, in verse 30, it says, right, let me go back to verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell on the land are strong. Uh, the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the, the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell on the land, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, and the Canaanites. Verse 30 says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not well able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people who, who we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So you have two different pictures here. Caleb says, we're able to go in and possess the land. And then you have the others who say, no, the land will devour us. Two different pictures. Two different pictures. If you go on and read more in Numbers, what we find out is the ones who felt like they were going to be devoured by the land were never able to experience God's promises. But the two young men who came back with a good report were able to enter into what God had for them. Joshua 1, 8 and 9 says for us to meditate on the word of God. In fact, let's turn there. Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and be of good courage? Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's important for us to understand who are we listening to? Where, where are we getting our information from? These, these people came back and they gave a report. And their report that they came back with sounded similar to what Moses told them before they went into the land. Moses said, Go in there and see if the land is good or bad. See if the people are strong or weak. And so he painted a picture for these people, and they came back, and they gave him a report. This land devours its inhabitants. Joshua and Caleb went in and came out with a whole different report. Their report shows you that they had a clear understanding of who God was and what he provides. You and I, we can get that clarity if we're in the word of God. Joshua 1, 9 and 8, or 8 and 9 tells us that if we'll meditate on the word of God, that we'll have good success in every area of our life. And so we've got to get in the word of God to experience success in the area of healing. If you don't know all the healing scriptures in, in, in the Bible, make that your mission. Begin creating a list. What are God's scriptures to me? What's his word? And when in God... When God God highlights one for you, stay on it, meditate on it, get it in your heart. I have these cards, and so right now I have a scripture that I'm meditating on. It says, Be not, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And so what am I doing? I'm meditating on God's word, getting it on inside of me. And what happens? When sickness rises up, the promise from God is that I'm going to find good success that it's not going to win over me, that God's going to produce in that area of my life. And so you want to get God's word on the inside of you. And also we've got to understand, you know, Joshua and Caleb, they understood that their victory had nothing to do with their own ability and their own strength. They understood the victory was coming because they were connected with God. And we've got to understand the same thing, that our victory, the outcome is not based on us. It's based upon God and his word and his faithfulness. 
Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32, verses 17 and 27 say, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too difficult or too hard for you. And verse 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? There's nothing too hard for God. Nothing too hard for God. And we've got to remember that. That he's the God who can do anything. He has an answer for anything that's too hard for us. And so here's a few other scriptures that I wanted to share with you uh, on this subject. Before we move on. Hebrews 10, 38 and 39 says, The person who is, in right, is right with me will live by trusting in me. But I will not be pleased with the one who turns back in fear. But we are not those who turn back and are lost. No, we are the people who have faith and are saved. And so we want to go all in with God and have faith. Be strong in faith and, and, and trust in the Lord. Matthew 5, 6 in the Good News translation says this, Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. And I love that. God will satisfy us fully if we do what, what is required. Well, what's required of us? What's required of us is for us to get into the word of God and get the word of God on the inside of us. And, and our promise is, is that if we get the word on the inside of us, that it will produce a healing and a cure in our bodies, guys. Number, uh, Hebrews 11.6 says this in the basic English Bible. This is my first time using this, but I thought this was so good. It says, without faith, it is not possible to be well-pleasing to him. For it is necessary for anyone who comes to God to have the belief that he is and that he is a rewarder of all those who make a serious search for him. When you start digging into the word of God and you dig in and you dig in and you get scripture on the inside of you, it's going to produce in your life. It's going to operate in your life. That's why every week we talk about this is my Bible. It's God's word to me. When you make the word of God a priority in your life, it begins to produce in every area of your life. And then Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says, so do not lose courage that you had in the past. Your courage will be rewarded richly. You must be patient. And after you've done what God wants, you will get what he promised you. Understand, you and I, we've got to dig in and know that God's faithful, that he's going to bless us. His healing is going to come to pass. And we, we can't give up. We've got to stand strong. Why? Because healing belongs to us. This is the thing I love about God. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. It doesn't matter how much knowledge of the word of God you have or, or if you know exactly where the scriptures are. The fact of the matter is this. If you believe that God is and that he's a rewarder, then you will experience healing in your body. Say it with me. Say, I believe, I believe. God is a healer. I believe, I believe God has healed me. Do you believe that? Or are you just saying it because I asked you to? You've got to believe that. And if you can believe that, if you can believe that he is a healer and that he has healed you, then you're in a good place. But if you can come back and say, yeah, but now you're headed down the wrong path. We want to make sure that we always find ourselves on the side of God and not on the side of the world. The world says the coronavirus is coming to the U.S. 
Be afraid. Be very afraid. The scripture says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. The world says, well, there's still no cure for cancer. The scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that nothing is impossible with God. So if I've been diagnosed with cancer, guess what? I can overcome this ailment that's coming against my body. I can walk in healing and, and live a long, satisfying life. Does that make sense? And so we want to make sure that we're on the side of Scripture. And then Deuteronomy 30, 16 says, If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. If you want to live and multiply, then we've got to follow what God tells us to do. And that's to believe. We've got to believe, guys. We can't let go. So last thing here, I just want to finish up the, their initial story in Numbers. It's Numbers 14, 1 and 3, and Numbers 14, 6 through 9. So Numbers 14, uh, verses 1 through 3 says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Guys, can I encourage you? Don't ever blame God. Don't ever blame God. We started this off talking about how every good and perfect gift comes from him. Right? God did not put any kind of sickness on you. God is not trying to teach you a lesson. The Bible tells us this plainly. That many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver us from them all. This affliction, that's what it is. It's an affliction, but it's temporary. If you will trust God and believe God, he will deliver you from it. And then here in verses 6 through 9, it says this. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread, and their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Guys, can I tell you, no matter the diagnosis, no matter what anyone tells you, don't fear it. Because the Lord has given you the victory. He's given you the healing. He's given you everything that you need to overcome whatever it is you're dealing with. Does that make sense? All right, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, um, for showing us, Lord, that healing belongs to us. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord God, if we were struggling in any area. Lord, I thank you that you'll help us to learn from Joshua and Caleb and to be strong in the area of faith. Believing, Lord God, and trusting that your healing belongs to us and your healing is working in us. Father, we thank you for a good report in the days ahead, and we bless you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.